Welcome to another edition of Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. This is a special edition of the podcast for a couple reasons. Number one, we have five people here today, which is feels aggressive. But we've got Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. We've got four people. We've got four people here today. <laughs> we've got four people here today. I was like, hold up. <laughs> this will make sense this will make more sense in a second but we've already been on zoom with each other for about three hours so uh, apparently Bobby thought that was five the whole time yeah i thought it was there was like man the fifth guy is real quiet doesn't have a lot to say here um <laughs> you counting your cat or what what the deal was no the cat has left me um <laughs> we've got Matt marinas from the white and blue review we've got alex indelar from the internet and <laughs> We have Jacob Padilla from Hale Varsity, and we. This is a special podcast because it is a companion to a. I'm going to call it a director's commentary that we did, even though we are not directors in any way, of anything. Uh, but basically, a director's commentary style video of the Seton Hall season finale that Creighton had uh, to win the Big East. This is a companion podcast to that. Uh, kind of just giving our thoughts on that game in particular and then the season as a whole. Uh, so that's what will be going on there. Uh, Matt, they'll be able to find that video at whiteandbluereview.com, correct? Yeah, uh, the website and then the YouTube page. Okay, so. Wherever they, where they watch the Marcus and Mitch webcast too. Yep, so check out whiteandbluereview.com or the White and Blue Review YouTube page, which is a fantastic page. They've got a a webcast up of Marcus uh, Zagrowski and Mitch Ballot going on there. They also have a bunch of old games and replays and highlights and stuff on there as well. So if you're a Creighton fan, it's a gold mine uh, of content there. So we're going to get into that. Make sure you go check that out on White and Blue Review, and this will make way more sense if you do uh, <laughs> this podcast. Well. So we just had some extra thoughts that we wanted to get to, but we wanted to keep that to just the game itself when we were doing that. So. Even though we dropped like 70 F-bombs on that one, this is like our rated R version right here. Yeah. So this, <laughs> I can't wait is, to hear Jacob say shit. <laughs> I don't think I've ever yeah, heard Jacob, Jacob curse. Time on that. I, still think he, I still don't think he did. No, I don't. Yeah. No, so is that, he's is just, that a personal thing or is that something that you were taught? Uh, it's, yeah, it's just kind of a personal thing, I guess. I mean, I, I don't just – not really something I do. I mean, you do you. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, it's just, I, it took me a long time to notice. I was like, wait, I don't think he says fuck as much as I do. Um, <laughs> and certainly no one does as much as Alex. So uh, that's, that's not true. Is it, is it though? I'll go back, listen, or watch the entire thing that we just recorded and count. <laughs> I might have beat you on that one. I dropped a few. I don't know. Uh, anyway, wanted to go over the uh the Seton Hall game and the season one I said on the end of that that I had a really hot take about the end of that game and and the end of the season in general which that's obviously the last full game that Creighton played and my hot take is for any season to be just straight up canceled this was I'm glad it happened this year because the last a the last time we saw Creighton play was this incredible performance against Seton Hall where they win a championship, cut down the nets, hang a banner, everything, right? Any, everything you could want. 
B, if they move forward, we found out they weren't going to have Marcus Zagrowski in any capacity ever for the postseason. And so, like, I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to see uh, that. Just this, just, just this year, not ever. I no, know. I mean, for, the, for this postseason. Like, at any point oh, okay. during this postseason. And that's not something I'm, I'm sad. I'm not excited. I'm not sad that I missed that. So, am I crazy to think, like, if, if you ever had to cancel a March Madness, like, this was the one to do it. <laughs> Especially with Creighton's history of getting injured and then failing in the postseason after losing important players. Seems I like know. a good story plenty of times. Also, side note, I'm uh, thankful to finally be making my debut on the podcast that I named. Um, so is this your first time on here? It is. Yep. I oh, couldn't make man. it the, the first time you did the whole group thing. Oh, when we did the Christmas extravaganza. Jacob, it's probably a good thing you didn't make it up to that one. <laughs> that's, that's true. That probably was not your cup of tea. I, I did listen to it, though. It was certainly an interesting <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut like 45 minutes of that so I could get it. Well, A, so we all didn't get fired from whatever jobs we have, but B, so that I could actually fit it on. It was like a two and a half hour podcast. I had to cut it down to two and a half hours. Um, I, thought yeah. the, uh, I thought you had to cut it down because so the FCC would approve it over the airwaves. <laughs> Listen, it's a podcast, man. All bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Matt and Alex, am I crazy with like not really being that upset from a Creighton standpoint? Like I love March Madness. It's my favorite thing in the world, but from a very specifically Creighton standpoint, like not super bummed that I didn't have to go through that this year. Alex, you can go ahead and start. I, no, I think you're insane. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Fair. Well, I mean, March Madness as a whole is, I mean, it's so much fun, and you have no idea what to expect. You have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know if Sharif Mitchell maybe steps up and does some insane shit. So you just don't know what's going to happen. The fact that Marcus went down last game and the fact that they didn't look too good in that one half they played against St. John's. That didn't happen. That didn't exist. No, I didn't I that, so it definitely didn't happen. My last great memory is the end of the Seton Hall game, so – Okay, well, yeah. I watched, for the most part, a lot of that half that no longer exists. <laughs> and they didn't look good, but at the same time, they got a lot of players, they got a lot of shooters, so you don't know. Um, I would have enjoyed to watch them play in the NCAA tournament, and I think that's kind of the benchmark that a lot of the players set. I would have liked to see you know, a guy like Kelvin Jones get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, maybe Jordan Scurry gets a, a little look. Again, it's the NCAA tournament. Um, so I think you're, yeah, you're, you're certifiably insane for thinking <laughs> that the, one of the greatest sporting events of the entire sports year being canceled was a good thing. Well, no, the, the, the option isn't so, to be canceled or not. It's if it had to be canceled, this was a decent time for it to happen. No, last year would have been way better. Well. <laughs> from a Creighton fan's uh, like, perspective I, I, Look, I I'm, not, I'm not going to try to like make the argument that that all of the postseason hype Creighton was receiving would have still been intact without Marcus Zagorowski like he's a badass motherfucker for a reason like that you need him if you're going to be in Atlanta um, that was kind of my I, mean, I, I still I've still seen I've still seen too many teams that are like down and out, injured, uh, you know, 
someone suspended this and that, and they kind of rally around each other and, and do something that no one expects. Like, I've just seen it too much to just assume that, you know, Creighton was just going to be rolled over by whoever they played, you know, whether it's a 14 seed or whatever it was going to be, you know, and not at least make, you know, some kind of, some kind of memorable moment in March Madness for everybody to appreciate, especially like they were likely going to get stuck in St. Louis, which like the crowd would have been crazy. So it would have been like a home away from home type of game. And, you know, that could have at least got them past the first round and then whatever happens after that, you know, I mean, it's a short turnaround for the opponent playing a team that still has, you know, between Tyshawn Alexander, Denzel Mahoney, and Mitch Ballack, three, three guys on the wing who are capable of going off for double, the double figures upwards of 20, um, and in Mitch's case, close to 40 points. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I just think, like, it, I don't know. I still would have liked to see how it played out because I, I wasn't totally convinced that that the drop-off was um, – terribly significant to the point that Creighton was like a first round upset away from, you know, everybody kind of like going, Oh, here we go again mode. You know what I mean? I feel like they still could have done something um, depending, on their ma- depending on their matchup, especially sure. if they were in St. Louis. And I, I kind of felt that way when, especially when we didn't know, like, will they be able to survive for the first or second round if he can get back. Then after rewatching that scene hall game, I'm like, I don't want to see this Creighton team without Marcus Zagorowski on the court. That's my point. That's, that's, like, that's a different point, too, for sure, yeah. Like, like that's I, just realizing how good he is, again, just kind of having that reminder and what he was doing towards the tail end of the season. He was the reason Creighton was a uh, Final Four, um, like, that everybody was hopping on as a potential Final Four pick because you had a point guard like that playing at such a high level in addition to all those other guys. Like, without him – like, I just don't know if you've got enough because then you're asking other guys to do things that they that they haven't done all season long. Um, Which means they're not as good at the things that they have been doing all season long. Yes. So, I, I, it, they certainly could have surprised. And honestly, if, if we could have, I would have sacrificed um, the guaranteed, like, all-season hype to actually get basketball. Um, I would definitely take that trade off, even if they ended up losing in the second round and then they just become another team heading into next season. Cause I would believe they'd be able to get back there just by winning a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And I agree that like, I, 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 I'm glad that we didn't have to see them try to struggle without Marcus out there because that's not what this Creighton team is. This Creighton team is Marcus and Tyshawn and Mitch and Denzel and Damian and Christian. Like that's, that's what this team is, and that's um, – it, it just kind of would have felt weird seeing them play without Marcus in the postseason. Well, and in addition to that, like like you said earlier, watching that Seton Hall game and then trying to move forward, like the idea of watching that team, like we saw how much shit he was talking to Seton Hall and pumping up the crowd and pumping up his teammates. And the idea of watching that team without him – just like doesn't feel good. Now, let me be clear. If I have the choice of cancel on March Madness or don't cancel on March Madness, I'm never going to cancel March Madness. That's my favorite four days of the year are the opening two weekends. But if I go into it saying you have to choose a year in which you're canceling March Madness, I will choose the one where we end on a championship and I don't have to watch again Creighton playing without one of their best players in the NCAA tournament because I've, I've seen that story too many times and it sucks, you know, whether it's 
whether it's uh, Mo Watson, whether it's Crumple. Like, I just – I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> like, that, that blows. That's the worst. Um, anything else from that game where – I know we talked a lot about it on the – on the uh, video that we posted, the white and blue review, but anything else from that game that kind of stuck out to you in terms of what that team had become over the course of the season? Because there was a point where at least I think Jacob, Matt, and I, Alex, I think was, was drunk on Thanksgiving with his family playing a card game or something. Or a board game. I don't remember which. It was Monopoly, yeah. We invited you. We we did invite you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just see him just get the piss kicked out of him by San Diego State. And obviously that's before Denzel and everything. But at that point, I didn't think I'd be looking at a team that would finish, what they finish? Like seven on the season? And, you know, top ten team in the country and arguably playing better than anyone in the country at that point. Is there was there any indication to you at any point until it started happening that this is what this Creighton team would turn into? I mean, I'd say like the Arizona State game. That was one of them where it was like, okay, um, they played an ugly game, um, and especially with Denzel, it was like, okay, this this is a team that can make things happen. Um, beyond that. I mean, the Oklahoma game was it was another test, but and then you know, Robbie and you and I, we did that post game for the Texas Tech game the next night. Yeah, and it was yeah. I think we talked before the game, and we were like, "There's no way in hell <laughs> they're, they're able to even bounce back." And I thought they were going to get smoked again. I thought it was just going to be like double blowouts, go home. Yeah, I thought so too. And so you know, the fact that they they, I mean, emotionally rebounded. Uh, from that just absolute piss pounding they took from San Diego State, the fact they were able to do that and they were able to come out and they were able to get, I think they had, what, like a 15-point lead at one point? At least, they went, yeah, they were up double digits for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there were a lot of flashes where you're like, this team is different. Um, I think a lot of the Creighton teams in the past, it was, you know, if they get beat like that, next night they come out and maybe they're – not as sharp, but um, they had a lot of really good pieces that showed a lot of stuff um, in those those tight, ugly games that you were like, this team is way different than any other Creighton or Greg McDermott coach team that I've ever seen before. Matt, you were in practice and stuff a lot. It, I, and I know you mentioned on the, uh, on the Seton Hall video that, you know, you saw – them practice together early in the season this group that's played so much basketball together but once we got into the season you're actually watching the games did you ever like did you think they could get here (laughs) I mean it's funny because I always get like labeled this super optimist every year yeah you kind of get roasted for being a homer a little bit but you're right more often than not I mean, I like to think so. I try to be honest, you know what I mean? And then that just deals with it, just goes from there. Like, I think, like, I think there were just, there were just, there were, there were a lot of flashes in practice of like, you know, Davion, Marcus, Mitch, and Ty all being really, really, really good together. And I think it only comes from 
experience. And I, and I've always felt, and I don't think I'm alone in this, that experience is just a super powerful weapon in college basketball, especially because there's only five people on the floor at the same at once. And if you've got a group of, you know, three or more that are all just able to see the game differently than a, than a group that's kind of like trying to find their way together. I think you can get through stretches of games um, in the tough moments eas- more easily. And then obviously when everything's clicking, it's like something that you just can't, an opponent can't, as much as they're prepared to play you, they can't stop it. You know what I mean? So there were moments like that in practice. And when Davion went down, um, that certainly hindered it a little bit because that made – he was a senior, so Marcus, Mitch, and Ty all had to grow up even more, even and even more quickly. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, da- Damian hurt uh, – I think he hurt his calf or ankle again in a scrimmage and uh, – in a team scrimmage, and then he, he aggravated it against UTRGV right before the Oklahoma game. So he was kind of still trying to fight his way back to 100% from last season's injury. Uh, so there, you know, there was just kind of a lot of working, uh, a lot of parts working against them. You know, they didn't have Jacob, no Davion, Damian was hundred percent. And then Denzel wasn't available for the first 10 games. Um, then you factor in Kelvin Jones being hobbled with the ankle, um, Achilles deal. And it's just like, it felt like there was just so many things working against them that it put a lot of responsibility on Marcus Mitch and Ty's shoulders. However, they were able to show, they were able to carry that burden through those tough times, and then when all those pieces kind of came back and came together, I mean, you saw the you saw the product in the second half. And I think what I thought they were capable of from the beginning was, you know, a couple losses in the non-con. I certainly didn't think they were going to get blitzed by 30 by San Diego State, but I did think they were going one and one in Vegas because the three teams they were, you know, set to face were all really good. So it's, it's a tough task for a team. Sure. Still, yeah. yeah. That's still relatively young. Like Creighton's still one of the youngest teams in the Big East even this year. Um, a team that's that young and that banged up for them to for them to sweep that that tournament with the teams that they were facing was a tall task. So I felt like they were going one and one, even though I didn't see the thirty point blowout happening. Um, and then I felt like they were going to lose one more of the Michigan, Oklahoma, Arizona State grouping. Um, so that, so going out of non-con with two losses wasn't surprising to me. And then I felt like they were going to go 12 and six in the league because I just didn't see a seventh place roster. They were just too talented. Like, and I had questions about the rest of the conference to the point where I felt like Creighton was going to be a team that was safely out of the playing game. And to me in this league, I felt like that meant 12 wins because while Seton Hall got a lot of preseason hype, they still have pretty much the same roster from last year, which was still a 500-ish team in league play sure. Um, sure. And, and a 10 seed in the tournament. So I wasn't super convinced that Seton Hall was going to make a major jump to the point where they separated themselves so much from Creighton. Because if you remember those two games last year, it went down to the wire and Creighton was leading going into the final stretch of both of them. So they should have won both of those games. Um, so you just put a little bit more maturity on that group. Uh, a little bit more development. Marcus Zagorowski in his second year, Mission tie in their third. And I just felt like there was a, certainly an opportunity for them to level up as a group. And, uh, you know, long story short, it wasn't I, – I guess I was surprised they won the league, but 13-5 and five is only a game better than I thought they would finish. So 
when you look at the, the end result of what they, what they won and lost, I wasn't surprised by that. I think what I was surprised by was maybe um, the way they did it without, you know, with certain guys being injured, I certainly expected Davion to be part of it. And without him, I wasn't maybe sure, maybe 12 wins goes to 10 or nine and nine, but for them to go 13, for them to exceed my expectations without Jacob and Davion was surprising to me. So that's the only part that I'd say would caught me off guard in terms of what I thought they were capable of. Well, that's something that I forget a lot of the time is like they had a, what, three-year starter, two-and-a-half-year starter in Davion that didn't play at all. And then Jacob Epperson, who would basically provide the thing that the roster was missing that didn't play at all. And Mm -hmm. how different, not just you, Matt, but Alex and Jacob too, how different, better or worse, do you think this team is if Davion and Jacob are healthy? Because I think part of what made this team special was the fact that they had these three guys once Denzel got introduced, four guys, and then that could all just get a bucket, right? And then you had Damian Jefferson and Christian Bishop who just do all the other, like, all the dirty work that isn't necessarily what they came to Creighton to do, but they're, you know, they're the four and the five now, so they're just getting after it. And Denzel has some of that to the to a lesser extent and playing the five, but – do you th- what what do you think is different about this team if 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 Epperson and, and Mintz are healthy? I mean, I think <laughs> I mean by the end of it, they're arguably national championship favorites, maybe like in that category with Kansas, maybe like because it's not. It, it just depends on when. Let, I mean, Jacob. Let's say he doesn't have that injury; he's ready to go from the minute the season starts. Yeah. And, and Davion with the ankle, if he gets back when a normal sprained ankle gets back from, he's Basically, not going to miss. By the time he's not going to miss starts. as much time as he would have. Yeah, because the point of it, the the whole point of him redshirting was he got to a point where he got to a point in his recovery where Creighton started to really hit, started to fire on all cylinders with the group they had. Yeah. So there was kind of like a rock the boat risk with him coming back into the fold because was he going to? in terms of finding the chemistry with him and everybody else, yeah, was that going to mess up what they were currently displaying? So that was the tough part. But if he comes back, like, in three to four weeks after the injury, he arguably misses maybe a game or two, not as many as he missed um, before he redshirted. Jacob doesn't miss any. So it's like, you know, you go back to games that were maybe determined by a couple possessions, you know, like the Michigan game. Um, Villanova at home, Butler on the road, uh, you know, Georgetown on the road, like games that were kind of like in the balance that they just came up short in, um, or maybe a stretch or two determined it. Like having that depth, I think, would have made a difference. So you think – and then you think about the level they achieved together. I still think that that was achievable by the entire group and the skill set that they all – the skills that they all possess. Like Davion would have meshed in just fine with those four because, like I said – in the preseason, those four had stretches where they would, where it was like, oh man, that ball is moving so fast. They all know where they're supposed to be. They're all like two or three steps ahead of the scout team right now, um, and the scout team knows them better than anybody. So, and that's really, so that's really hard to do. So like, I just felt that if if they're fully healthy, um, and then you combine the level that they reached, I don't think there's, I don't think they're a worse team with those two in the fold. I think they're a much 
more potent, more dangerous, more respected team by the end of it. Because I don't think, I think they're like a more of a four or five loss team as opposed to a, you know, a seven or eight. Yeah. Um, I, that's a tough question to answer because you don't know how certain guys would have developed throughout the season. Like, does Tyshawn reach the level that he got to, especially defensively sure, and yeah. overall, if he isn't, if he doesn't, if he knows going in, if he doesn't know going in that, all right, this is on me. I've got to take up this mantle. Cause you look at where he was defensively last year when Davion kind of took up like, all right, I got to be the number one defender here. Like Tyshawn, just go back and watch uh, like some of his possessions on like Marcus Howard compared to like um, to, to Davion's and like stuff like like. Tyshawn became a completely different player defensively than he was last season. um, Does he get to that same level? And then you've got two guys that are really plus perimeter defenders in addition to whatever DJ's doing, just kind of with his athleticism and wreck and shop and all that kind of stuff. Um, I I definitely, I I think the, the tough part is um, like in terms of winning more games, like with uh, Denzel not being there for the full season. Kind of what would the would what would the uh, the non conference look like? Because I like going back to the question earlier. Like I wasn't. It wasn't until they got into the league and started rolling these games back to back. I was like, okay, you could see it. The whole picture coming together with Denzel out there. Because even they did pretty well in the non conference, but they were still rocky at times. Like some of those home games, yeah. some of those kind of like buy games. It's not like they uh, wiped those teams off the floor. Like there were some moments there where you're like, Ugh, yeah. It's kind of the same old thing we've seen. They they had some had some tough stretches there. So I don't know. Well, the Villanova game on the road, I felt like it was the first one where it all kind of met yes. for the first time with Denzel. Yeah, yeah. Seeing Hall and Villanova when they won those games, like okay, that's when you knew for certain. Like, all right, they've arrived. They're here now. You can see it kind of building towards that. You can see them creating that opportunity to go out and prove that with what they were doing up until that point. You could see it coming together. I I definitely think Jacob would. Um, would help a lot because as much as Kelvin provided in sp- uh, spurts with his energy and, and all that and his toughness and all that kind of stuff, Jacob's just a better player. He's a more talented player. So you plug Jacob into those minutes. You've got more of the above the rim threat. You've got more like I, Jacobs isn't like a Ryan Kalkbrenner, like just based off of like what he did in high school. He isn't a guy that's going to go block five shots a game, but he is, um, a natural like rim protector, I think more so than a shot blocker. I think his technique is good in terms of verticality and getting in in the spot, and that's something they just they had nobody at the rim this year because you, you're starting a six seven center. You're you're playing like, occasionally. Kelvin got in there and he fouled more than he did anything else, but like you just really didn't have any backline protection there defensively. So it was so important um, to be sound on the perimeter. You add Jacob back in there, even for stretches. Now you've got a little bit more back there behind you. You can be maybe a little bit more aggressive defensively in spurts. Um, you've got someone there to cover up some mistakes. You can maybe get an extra couple of stops here and there and then turns close games into um, games that you kind of feel comfortable going down the stretch or can turn around um, uh, games uh, – that uh, that you maybe you kind of lost by a couple possessions. Like you can steal a little extra possessions here and there with Jacob, both offensively and defensively, giving you something that they just didn't have this year. So Jacob, I think, would have been a much easier kind of um, to answer. He would have helped this team quite a bit. Um, he doesn't transform the team completely, but it would have been nice having a Jacob Epperson on this team. Davion, it's just kind of hard to see how that whole perimeter 
group would, I don't necessarily know that it would raise the ceiling all that much because now you're taking minutes away from other guys that are also good players. Yeah, obviously, uh, Sharif doesn't play, and um, all those minutes would go to Davion, and I think you'd get better play there because uh, I love Sharif, but he's a freshman still trying to figure things out. So you get a more complete player in those minutes, but then beyond that, and, and I think it would help you get through the season having that depth and not having to ride those guys at 30-plus minutes. But I think we, outside of kind of the freak injury to Marcus at the end, they did make it to the end all right. Like, it didn't seem like the, the minutes had really hurt them. You didn't see it, like, the legs. Um, like, going back to, like, uh, for Nebraska, Thor or Thor beat and you could tell by the end of the season, like, the legs were just gone. Um, that didn't, I didn't see that with any of the Creighton players this year. I thought even with the kind of the heavy minutes minute count, they were still – um, they were still pretty strong heading into the postseason overall. I don't think the lack of depth really killed them this season. Um, so if I had felt differently about that, maybe then I think Davion would have made a huge difference. But um, it's just tough to see because whatever you're getting from Davion, um, you're taking away some of the possessions from other guys that ended up being really good for Creighton this season. So it, it definitely changes the – um, the dynamic of this team, you'd like to have another competent guard if you could get it. Um, but, you know, the way things turned out here, I don't know how much better they could have been if you plug Davion into that group. Yeah, I will say one thing about Tyshawn though, like his defensive jump came in the off season. Like he was already, he was already killing it defensively. Like before, before Davion went down, like he was, he was crazy good. I, I think that, like he opened my eyes a little bit in those first you know, a couple of weeks of practice while Davion was still healthy and going. Um, but, you know, from him maybe having the assignments he had, you might be right about that. You know, maybe they still give Davion those assignments instead of tie. But, you know, I figure by conference season, they would have already seen what was pretty obvious that Ty was the best perimeter defender in the gym, um, even when Davion was still healthy and going. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the one thing that it showed the most and lacking – Jacob and Davion and I don't know if they would be any better uh they probably would be better with Jacob uh but with Davion I don't know how many more minutes that he would have been able to get but I think what it really showed to the fan base and to college basketball and maybe just to the Big East is that when when McDermott needs to become creative and he needs to do something that's maybe a little unprecedented he was able to do that this season. I mean, he lost his starting center, and then he lost a, what was, you know, essentially a, a season guard. And he was able to, you know, create something that was dynamic. He he was able to create something that was almost unstoppable um, to the opponent's defense. And so, you know, I, I think that just proved to a lot of Creighton fans, it's like, hey, you know, shut the fuck up. You know, I know you want to do it it's so goddamn bad for whatever stupid fucking reason that you have. But the fact that he was able to adapt so incredibly well with the things that he was – that were taken away from his team before the season even started, I mean, it just showed that, that McDermott knows what he's doing, that he's able to do these things kind of on the fly. And and the fact that his offense, no matter what, it, it will not struggle even if you take away those parts. The fact that it happened before the season started, though, I think that was the biggest thing. Um, for him to be able to adapt to that a little bit more quickly than having a season-ending injury to a star player, to an important player, you know, you know, the first week, second week of conference play. 
So I think it just showed to a lot of fans that like, hey, you got something, someone really, really good steering the ship here. Please shut the fuck up. And it's amazing how much better like inbounds plays and clutch situations looks when yeah. you've got seniors and juniors in those spots as opposed to freshmen and sophomores. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like sometimes that's not the coach's fault. Yeah. It's right. crazy. Um, no, I tend to, I, I think I agree. Not that I want to pick a winner here, uh, but Jacob wins that answer. No, uh, <laughs> I think I agree the most with Jacob just because I think Jacob Epperson would have been really helpful on the inside. But I assume since Davion Mintz is a senior and, you know, like I said, a two and a half year starter, he would have, and again, a fairly talented guy, he would have commanded, obviously he went to Kentucky. So he's, there's some talent there. <laughs> I mean, but he would have commanded minutes from maybe Marcus Zagrowski goes right? from 35 to 30 minutes a game. Maybe Tyson Alexander goes from 38 to 34 minutes a game. Maybe Mitch Ballot goes from 39 to 38 minutes a game. But like, you take, you're taking those minutes from guys that I don't want to take those minutes from. And um, that's nothing against Davion Mintz, but I like Zagorowski, Alexander, and Ballot even in their, you know, even in their last 10% of the tank there in terms of, minutes they're playing more than I like Davion Mintz having those minutes. Well, and Davion was probably going to start, right? Like coming back. So then you're back to Mitch at the four in the starting lineup. And obviously you would have adjusted some things like the first sub or whatever, but still like, how does that impact DJ's growth? Um, well, if starting? But, but again, but again, Mitch at the four was the best four because DJ was banged up. You know what I'm saying? That's like my whole – the whole point is you want Davion starting because it moves Mitch to the four and you don't need – you can let Damian like get healthy. He wasn't, he wasn't healthy when the season started. I understand that, but that still changes. I, I'm talking about like the end result, the end – like yes, I, I agree 100%. If they've got them both, it's easier to get through the season, 100%. Mm-hmm. But the, the end result that – machine that we just saw shred through Seton Hall in the last nine minutes of that game in a way that like remember that was the number seven team in the country that that happened to that wasn't some scrub team that was a Seton Hall team that had beaten really good teams that was going to be probably a three seed in the NCAA tournament that was a real team that Creighton did that to and I don't know, even if it's the entire regular season is easier to get through with, you know, Davion Mint starting and DJ coming off the bench or whatever. I don't know how much higher their ceiling could have been. I agree Jacob Epperson raises the ceiling a little bit because he offers a little bit more on the inside, and that was a place where they were lacking. But I don't know how much – if Davion Mintz is starting, which you're right, he probably would have, I don't know how much better they are by the end of the season. Does that – I mean, does that make any sense? Yeah. That's... Yeah. But, I mean, are, are you saying they're worse than they were without him? I'm not – I don't know if they're – like, I don't want to say that he would have made them worse. I just don't know – Because – because well, I guess here's the reason I asked that is because you're asking – I'm asking it because it, it depends on if you believe that the level they were at at the end of the year, are they marginally better? Because if they're marginally better than that level, like I said, they're national title – favorites right which i think with epperson they would have been marginally better than that level and listen if you've got a rim protector rim runner 
addition, like added to that roster, like, yeah, that team could have won a national championship if Jacob Epperson is there. I don't know that Davion Mintz even makes them marginally better unless you're assuming that Tyshawn makes that or, or owns that defensive role. I know he did a lot of the work in the offseason, but he owns the defensive role in the same way. And then you've got two elite perimeter defenders and, and, and have all that and that it doesn't take away from anyone else's development whether it's dj's or because dj i thought was a really important part of that team and if he's not in the starting lineup maybe that doesn't happen the same way you know what i mean and also we didn't get to see what this offseason did for davion like i know johnny atawa was um kind of excited about what he had seen from davion and kind of what he was looking like um because what davion was last year is a overall pretty average player he made a big strides defensively he got a little bit better finish <laughs> the arc he was pretty average three point shooter. So overall the numbers, he was, he was a pretty average player, like, which he's, he's a high major player. That's um, he's a fine (laughs) player, but would he have taken a step up this year? And if, if he's a different player, like we're kind of assuming that he's the same guy that we saw last year, if he's able to take a significant step up as a senior, which sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't typically you make your biggest strides freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior. So he's kind of past that arc, but, um, so we don't know totally what Davion would have looked like, but this kind of goes into something that I was talking about um, with my friend about into next year is what made this team so, so good this year. Isn't just that it had good players. It's the way like Creighton was solely because of the perimeter shooting and the way it all fit together. Like the, the machine they got it to um, down the stretch, you change parts of that what does it look like? So now we're looking ahead to next year. You're going to have that rim running threat with Ryan Kalkbrenner, that shot blocking threat with him. And then hopefully Jacob mix in there as well. So you're going to have that, that you would have liked to have next year. And then the perimeter rotation without Tyshawn will look a little bit different. So what does it look like with Mitch at the two, with Denzel at the three, with DJ at the four, however you want to mix that two through three there. Can they get to the same level differently? Because they're not going to be able to do it the exact same way. The skill sets just don't line up quite the same way. You're going to have to do it slightly different. Being slightly different, can you still get to the same ceiling trying to do it that way as what we just saw them do with the group that they had? And that's, I think, kind of the big question heading into next year. How do different guys fit in? How does Antoine Jones add to that, that group next year in place of a guy like Tyshawn? Um, and that's what we don't know yet. That's kind of the big question mark for this team moving forward because – they're still going to play the same style, but it's going to be slightly different because you've got different players in, in roles than we saw last year. Um, so I think that's kind of the question is how different would they – you add Davion to this mix and kind of change that equation, do you still get the same answer? And I just don't – I don't know what the answer to that is. All right, so let's, let's wrap up there in terms of – I got one last question for you, and we'll wrap up on this, is – Moving into next year, obviously, we know Tyshawn Alexander is not going to be part of the equation. I'm assuming Denzel comes back, even though he declared I don't anticipate him leaving. Um, if I'm wrong, you know, chime in. But you've got uh, Antoine Jones coming off the bench, or as as his official name is, Basketball Jones, according to our guy Alex Indelar here. Thank you. Um, you've got – so you've got Marcus Zagorowski, Mitch Ballack, Basketball Jones, Damian Jefferson – uh, Denzel Mahoney, Ryan Kalkbrenner, and Jacob Epperson, and Sharif Mitchell. Is that basically the rotation there? Did I miss anybody? Uh, yeah, Mitchell. 
Christian Bishop, yeah. Started at five all year. Um, you say Kerwin Walton. Yeah. <laughs> well, that could be a really dated reference if I put this up any later than tomorrow and he doesn't come to Creighton. So <laughs> we're recording this on the 24th and he's announcing the 25th. So if he doesn't come here, that's uh, – but I like the uh, I like the foresight there, Alex. So, well, I mean, you, you, you're a rival's prognosticator. So I, mean, <laughs> I haven't put in my forecast yet. I should go do that tonight. <laughs> if I did it tonight, people would lose their minds because they'd be like, what does he know? Did yeah. he find something out? <laughs> Do it, do it right at twelve oh one. Should I, should I do it uh, like right now while we're on the yes, pod? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, yeah, uh, I'll send this to the group chat. But I'm gonna get my admin status revoked. But I don't really care. <laughs> um. So yeah, my question is with the, with that group, as Jacob mentioned, obviously it's gonna look different than last year. <laughs> taking out basically, it's not a clean switch, but it's, it's more or less you're, you're taking out Tyson Alexander and replacing him with basketball Jones with that in there. How do you think, what's the ceiling for this team? I know I saw them in CBS sports as still in the top 10 after Tyshawn declared. If Tyshawn came back a lot, most people had him in the top four in the country. Uh, What is, what is your guys's ceiling for this team next year as currently constructed assuming they don't get Kerwin Walton or the Turkish guy that I fell in love with yesterday, Tibet, free Tibet. Um, <laughs> the guy Tibet. I fell in love with before I found out he wasn't really an option. Tibet Gorner. Um, <laughs> listen, that he's, he's, got hey, a he's good. Is Creighton, is Creighton, is Creighton hurting him? No. Oh, damn it. Yeah, I was bummed out. <laughs> he shouldn't have burst my bubble like that, Matt. Well, Matt, you tell me. Is there anybody else? So it's like, I, haven't even, I haven't even told the message board that part yet, so they're still pretty excited about him. So <laughs> do, you, do you think there's – do you think they add anyone – and it, you don't have to portray sources or anything here, but do you think they add another piece before next season? I would hope yes. so. They've only got nine scholarship players eligible to play right now. So Yeah, but look at those right. nine. They're, they're definitely going to go. They're definitely going to no, add – those nine are definitely the reason they haven't added one yet because there's not much run left on the on the roster. Yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of clock left to earn there. Um, yeah, no, okay. they're definitely gonna, they're definitely going to add somebody. They don't like they want to. They don't like. I mean, they like to have that. They like to, they, have, they like to have that last one to play with for a midseason transfer. But they're not. They're um, not trying to. They leave definitely too. don't. Yeah, they don't want to. Okay, so let's we'll start with Alex. What do you think the ceiling is for next year? National title. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> All right. Man, like, th- this question always cracks me up every time. Not even just, like, now, but, like, every year because – and it's well, it becomes even funnier because last year they're coming off this season where they lost the TCU and the non – or in the NIT and Martin left early and, um, you know, it was just like – it was just like uh, there wasn't a lot of expectation from this group, and it was like so you, they came in with this this chip on their shoulder of trying to like earn respect, and they did that, and you know, and then some because they became a dark a dark horse, excuse me, a dark horse Final Four contender by the end of it, and a Big East champ, and all that. And it's like so now they're gonna bring back the same roster that not only this a similar roster that no one expected anything out of last year, now because of the season they had, now they're expected to be the greatest team of all time in great history. It's like, 
Yep. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I just don't know. Every year is different. You don't know what the rest of the country looks like in terms of what they how they've improved. Um, the Big East is going to look a lot different. Like, Matt. Seton Hall, Seton Hall is going to get worse. Matt. Villanova's losing to the Bay. Providence is going to look worse. Like, Matt. I don't, I don't know. Just give me a goddamn hey. answer. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you an answer. I don't know. No, give me an answer. What is the ceiling? I'm saying if everything breaks their way. That's what a ceiling is, right? I'm not saying okay. give me your yeah. prediction. If everything All breaks right. their way, what's the ceiling? I think Marcus Zagorowski and Mitch Ballack, Mitch Ballack especially, he's super underrated nationally. But I think Marcus Zagorowski is like, you know, first team All-American special. Um, and I think when you have one of those dudes, especially at the one, and especially in a system like Creighton has, um, I think what Michael Jordan say, the ceiling is the roof. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you're with, with Alex, national championship. That's the ceiling. Um, yes. No. I'm, I think their potential is their potential is something they haven't done in school history before, for sure. So once they get to that point, once they get to that point, it's uncharted territory. Yeah, so you're 16. with Alex. Second, 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 second second sweet 16. They, they can't possibly get past that. <laughs> That's what I'm I just don't, I don't, I don't, I feel weird calling Creighton a national title contender when they haven't ever made a sweet 16. Like, I just don't, I don't know how I, how I can do that. So, okay, Matt, so Matt is says national, national title or bust. Uh, Jacob, you say sweet 16 and that's it? No, that, I'm saying that's what Matt said. Oh, okay. That's, what what are you at? Down. Well, I'm hey, putting him down I'll on say, national I'll, title I'll, or bust. If you, make, if you make me put money on it, I don't. But if you make me put money on it, I'm taking number 11 over anybody. So, you to know, be clear, however, however, however far that carries them. Before this season started and people were like, whoa, pump your brakes, I said – Marcus Zagorowski is Big East Player of the Year good. Yeah. And he's been every bit that good. And people are, whoa, 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 pump pump the brakes a little bit. He has been every bit that good. And, like, if he – Did did Sipple ever get razzed for his Zagorowski tweet take, by the way? um, I don't remember which specific tweet because he was a hater all year. Well, well, I mean, he definitely got got it for his Creighton take. But, like, he he went on his radio show, I think, the next day after the Nebraska game, after Marcus 30-pieced him. (laughs) <laughs> and uh <laughs> after marcus 30 piece them and he's like he, he wasn't sure he was an all big east caliber guard like he said that on the airwaves yeah yeah but huh. it was in lincoln so nobody listens to it <laughs> yeah but i feel like that was the take that needed to be ethered not the one that they weren't NCAA tournament good like that was, uh, if there was one, even if creighton wasn't NCAA tournament good marcus segarowski was a flat-out stud and how you can come away from the nebraska game after he just 30 pieced the Hoiberg machine and not think he's big East caliber good. Like what? Dude, he also said that at one point, and I don't know if this was on the air or if it was like off the air and I'm just exposing a private conversation here, but I don't <laughs> care because it was such a bad take. He was like, yeah, but Creighton's not doing that in the big 10. And I was like, big East is like one of the best basketball countries if conferences in the country. Get out of my face with that. He's like, they wouldn't be doing this in the big 10. Who who in the Big Ten could they have not done that to? Who in the Big Ten could guard them? Uh, that's because Mar- didn't Maryland win the Big Ten? Uh, Wisconsin tied with Maryland, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Or something like that. I think it was a three. It was a three way, wasn't it? It was Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, right? Something like three-way that. Five? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So by the end of the year, Creighton had run Seton Hall off the floor twice, basically. 
the same Seton Hall team that beat Maryland without Miles Powell and Mama Kellishvili. <laughs> and you don't think Creighton? You don't think Creighton can hang with the Big Ten, even though there's. I know it's not totally like you know basketball math that way, but like if they beat the team that beat your best, I mean, I kind of think they would be okay. All right, so Matt and Alex both say national title or bust. Right. Jacob, where are you at on their ceiling next year? Uh, there's definitely no bust here. I'm not uh, – the ceiling is, I think, going on. So the ceiling I, is the roof. Yeah. <laughs> if, if That's you, what I said. If you're good enough to get to, like, this, the Elite Eight or um, Final Four, all you need is a couple plays to go your way, the right matchup, and then you're going all the way. So I think if you're good enough to get past the Sweet 16 – uh, a lot of teams are good enough to get on a hot streak and go all the way. Um, I, I think Creighton can definitely put itself in. So this, I think it's going to come down to Antoine Jones. And I haven't How seen good he is practice uh, as Matt has. So he's more qualified to speak on this than me. But if like, cause you have, you have to replace those Tyshawn Alexander minutes. And so, well, just to help your analysis, Antoine's a bucket, but he can't. He doesn't really like care about defense right now. So, yeah, that that that's an issue because now you've got to figure yeah. out. Uh, think for, hopefully you'll have Ryan at the rim protecting him whenever he gets blown by or whatever. But hopefully you'll have Kaufbrenner <laughs> and Epperson at the rim. And I already told you, DJ's going to defend everybody, so we're good. But 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 that we've got three <laughs> national title or bust. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I think they. they it can go all the way. I, I don't like this bus talk. Uh, you're no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. I said ceiling. Take that to Josh Peterson. Like I, I don't want to hear about busting. That's true. Uh, I don't want to hear about Josh Peterson. <laughs> wow, phrasing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We finally have gone off the rails. It took the entire podcast to get. <laughs> it took way longer than I thought. This was very serious basketball that for a while. That needs to be the title of the podcast. I don't want to hear about busting. I don't want to hear about Josh Peterson busting. Um, <laughs> heavy, heavy, left you with Robbie, heavy left you with Robbie Lula, episode 69. I don't want to hear about busting. <laughs> I actually might be – I'm probably pretty close to episode 69, actually. I might have to count. Um, nice. All right, well, I think that's as good a place to end as any – no, I, I'm not pinning you guys down. I said ceiling. If everything goes right, uh, yeah, I think Final Four National Championship is on the table. So uh, – I appreciate your guys' time. We've been talking for like three and a half hours now, so I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, really appreciate you guys hanging out. You can find Alex. Alex, where can we find you on Twitter? Because anything you else you do, you're going to put on Twitter. So where's your Twitter? Uh, at underscore underscore Sindelar, S-I-N-D-E-L-A-R. <laughs> so that's double underscore S-I-N-D-E-L-A-R. And he is really funny. Good Twitter follow, but don't let your kids see the feed. <laughs> um, Jacob, you're at Hale Varsity. What's your Twitter? Jacob Padilla underscore. Just one. Just one underscore, and it's after the name. Jacob Padilla. That's two L's on Padilla. And then Matt D. Marinas is at MJD Marinas, correct? Yep. And then he is at White and Blue Review, where you can also find the companion video to this podcast in which we – watch and react and comment on the Creighton season finale against Seton Hall where they win the Big East Championship. This has been Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. You can find me on ravilularadio.com, Twitter and Instagram at RALula, and on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. Guys, thank you so much for your time, and until next time, we'll talk to you soon.